This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hi, everyone. I am here with my dear friend, Rebecca Moulton, who is a yoga nidra teacher and a certified hypnotherapist, which is one of her newer credentials. So I'm so excited to hear all about that. Welcome to Open to Alchemy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Yes. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your background and sort of how and when you got started on this spiritual path? Well, that's definitely a very long story. So I'll tell you a shorter version. Um, <laughs> I think I've been a yogi and meditation practitioner now for over 20 years. So my practice spiritually, personally, is definitely grown with me through different seasons of my personal life um, from just graduating college and what that looked like. And then doing a lot of Ashtanga power yoga um, before my wedding. I wanted to look, this was way back. I wanted Madonna arms. Right, right. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it, she was really bringing yoga to the forefront. So that dates me there. Um, and then with my babies, I was doing prenatal yoga. And I even, I used to take my daughter to baby mommy and me yoga and she would sit in her little car seat and the mommies would sort of bounce around the babies. And so, and I've had periods of time where I wasn't really into it and saw a season kind of dip. And then I had periods that were more of a peak I've gone to yoga retreats and all that jazz. So that was really, for me, kind of a common thread through a lot of different life experiences that carried me and provided some consistency in a place where I could breathe. And growing up, I always, my, my father passed away when I was three. And I think that event from that point forward, I had like massive off the charts, high functioning anxiety. It was type A, straight A student, athlete, et cetera, et cetera, wanted to be super mom. When I had my kids, I was still working full-time and traveling and doing all of the things and just go, go, go. And breathing was the way that was sort of my gateway to this sense of peace and a stillness and a calmness. And it wasn't really until I had some health challenges that I understood that I needed to get more serious about stress and sort of taking some things maybe off my plate. And then um, that became, I mean, that became very real for me. And the first time I practiced yoga nidra was because I've said before, I used to be a serial, one of the skippers of shavasana and yoga. I was like, oh, I don't have time for this. Like this, that's boring. And if I was, I wouldn't leave during a class, but if I was doing it on my own, I would skip it. And um, the first time one of my teachers during a private session did yoga nidra with me, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'd much rather be doing like a really active flow, but it was exactly what I needed. 
I had just gone through a divorce. I was on my own dealing with a lot of stress and health challenges. And somehow she knew what I needed was to be still. And it was just really the first time that, that doing the practice, I was able to start feeling not just breath, but truly embodied in my, in my practice. And so that led me down the path of um, learning more about slower types of yoga practices and what goes on in our body and learning more about the role of trauma and how that changes our body and our body's experiences. And yeah, that just one thing led to another. And this, I personally also did some hypnotherapy and energy work. And these things were so healing for me that, um, you know, one thing led to another. And as you know, I'm a manifesting generator. So when I get started, it's like, all in. And, um, I dove in head first and being a scientist, you know, I wanted to understand all of the information about polyvagal theory and the neuroscience and all of it. So yoga nidra and hypnotherapy gave me enough to chew on, to add to the woo of the spirituality, as well as like the physical aspects and actually seeing practical changes in my life because as a mom who works full time, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't have time to do, sit around and do two hours of yoga every morning. I need to do practical things that really benefit me. Yeah. Something effective. Mm-hmm. So there's so much that you said that I want to dive into. I was trying to take notes as you were talking. So the first thing that I just want to point out is that I love how much that you said that your practice evolved with you. And as you grew and you changed and you underwent these different, you know, phases and stages of your life, you surrendered and allowed your yoga practice to sort of ebb and flow. And I think that's such a beautiful message because I do think that sometimes, even though we know it's a practice and even though we know there's so many, you know, mind, body, spirit benefits of it, we do sort of get into like, well, I do hot yoga and that's what I do. And then you forget sometimes that as you change and as things come up, maybe it is time to try something new. Maybe there is a different practice or flow or sequence that can come in and be exactly what you're looking for. But when you're so laser focused on um, almost like seeing yourself as a definition through that eyes of practice, you sort of lose that. So how were you able to sort of trust that and be able to, to flex and change when you felt it. Well, such a, that's such a great metaphor for life too. You know, everything we experience on the mat being such a reflection of how we have to grow and change whether or not we want to. Um, I will say that it, at the time, you know, I call them seasons and all the, it did not feel as elegant when you're going through it. (laughs) So when you're, when you are, you know, I practice, I want to say like almost every different flavor of yoga. And my favorite is sort of the lineage that I learned in in yoga teacher training. That was really um, the one that felt I feel most at home um, practicing. However, (laughs) when you're in, for example, a moment where there was a moment when I would go to my mat at home and I would start to have panic attacks. Mm. I couldn't breathe. It was like, what's going on? And, but your mind does this like, well, I'm just being lazy. I need to just do it. You know, why can't I make time for my, and you go all 
into your head. And I've done the same thing with different, you know, I need to, I should be doing this instead. However, I think with time, you learn that um, to give yourself a little bit more grace and a little yeah, bit more yeah. leeway about, okay, I'm going to be okay. And I would always think to myself, I want to be practicing yoga in a bigger way when I'm like 65. And so this can stay with me, but I need to not destroy myself in this moment for some sort of purpose that I think I'm holding some sort of vision the way it has to be in my head. I need to be able to um, let this have a bigger story arc than just this moment. Mm, I love that. So tell me and tell everybody what yoga nidra is if people aren't familiar with that. And I think there's also some, cause I think some people have heard of yin and there's restorative. So where does yoga nidra fit into that landscape? So yoga nidra officially means yogic sleep is, is kind of how it translates most directly. And it's, it's fascinating because the ancient yogis had this framework for understanding the system of our bodies energetically connected with spirituality that essentially becomes like our nervous system. And in reading it, it's just fascinating to me how now all of these things that they depicted so intricately, we now can validate through our Western science. Um, so the yoga nidra lineage that I have learned under Westernized by a gentleman by the name of Richard Miller and I was first drawn to that because of its applications for military veterans, people with PTSD, and that mirrors very closely the people that I work with in emergency management. And I wanted, because I knew the toll that working 24 seven disasters with um, my day job in emergency management, I know the toll that that has taken on me after 15 years and I wanted I work with veterans and people who are former medics and all this stuff. And so I wanted to be able to help them adapt in a way that if I show up and let's say, let's talk about meditation or let's talk about, you know, I want you to sit in whatever pose, they're going to ignore me immediately. But if I can use language that feels appropriate for them and feels open, they and can talk about the benefits, they're, they're going to be more open to um, experiencing it. So he really did a lot of work in adapting kind of this woo, I mean, yogic sleep. If I had shown up to work, like, I'm, let's do yogic sleep. <laughs> no one's going to make time for that. So right. his tradition, I really just dove into that for some of the, um, again, trauma benefits and developing a language that was very inclusive. And so I studied under someone who studied with him and that really has just it, it blows the roof off when you start to combine the the science and the western aspects for our lives today and the nervous system how we stress our nervous system and how nourishing and soothing and beneficial it is simply to allow our bodies to rest so what we do is really similarly to hypnosis actually we allow people to disengage from the chatter brain and kind of downshift manually into the alpha brain wave state which is very calm and chill and once you're there you're out of fight or flight and you can begin to really plant seeds that will stay with you in your unconscious mind and begin to sort of play in that bridge between 
um, being completely awake and alert and completely asleep. So that's the space um, that we work in, in yoga nidra and we play with awareness. Mm-hmm. If you kind of use an analogy of like an eye doctor, you can use different techniques to play with awareness and, and see yourself and learn about yourself and reality through those lenses. So in yoga nidra, we use awareness of our body and our space. And in, in something like yin yoga, the emphasis is a lot more, it's slow, which is where I think that people see the comparison. In yoga nidra, we're just reclined. There's no asana, although there might be some in the beginning to kind of set the stage, mm-hmm. um, move some of the energy out before you fill your body up with this gorgeous breath and relaxation energy. But yin, the emphasis really is on your joints and the soft tissue. And it, there's a physiological component of yin that I'm not sure everybody knows. And so for a lot of people, especially people who might be hypermobile, they find yin very relaxing. I happen to be someone who has tight muscles. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so when I go to yin, it's very confrontational. So people have different experiences in yin, um, but I think because of the slow pace and the sort of stretching postures, they find they associate it with being relaxing, restorative, you're doing poses and you're being held with supports and props in a way that allows physiologically certain, um, things to happen, your muscle tension to release, your joints might release. And energetically, especially with the chakras and um, sort of moving energetically, your breath really can get into some of those spaces mentally, spiritually, that we have stuck things that kind of accumulate and kind of twist them out in a very gentle and supported way. Um, and, And that's, that also is very kind of methodical situation. And then that might involve an extended period where you are resting at the end or in supported rest. That's actually my website cultivated rest came from that Mm. pose because I I loved it so much and I found it so cradling and supportive. So anyway, that's a long winded way to kind of explain the differences in Mm -hmm. the, the three. They can each be very deceptively simple. It looks like you're not doing much, but they each in their own way are very active in different ways. Right. No, I think that was a beautiful explanation. And again, just to invite people to explore. And even though so many of us crave the motion or crave the movement, I mean, the yoga nidra classes that I've had with you have been so incredibly, um, it's just like this deep sense of peace and relaxation. There's an element of opening to this knowledge that you have inside yourself that you have such an incredible way of helping people tap into. So yeah, we'll share at the end how to get in touch with you. But I, um, I definitely would encourage everyone to just try an, a yoga nidra class because it's something it is unusual and it is distinct from the other more restorative or relaxation types of, um, of flow. So if you wouldn't mind talking about this hypnotherapy stuff, because I know that that is a new certification that you have, and I know so, so many people are interested in it and maybe have misconceptions about what his hypnotherapy. I know you've recently done like a whole series online about like, ask me anything and questions. So tell us all about that. Yes. So hypnotherapy, um, I had both done hypnotherapy myself as a client 
And in yoga nidra, we start to really get close to yoga nidra and hypnotherapy being so similar that it's like technicalities of difference. Um, But as someone personally who experienced a lot of healing through hypnotherapy, what I was really attracted to was how quickly and effectively it worked. And I didn't have to sit down in talk therapy and like unpack my whole history and re-traumatize myself and get into all of it because I had done talk therapy like my whole life. And you're talked out. <laughs> it was like it was like I just it got to a point where I had, you know, I was just like, I don't know what I'm accomplishing. Mm-hmm. I think that there there absolutely is in value in different therapeutic methods. But for me at the point of my life I was in, I didn't want to talk anymore. (laughs) And I definitely did not want to, what I was learning about trauma and how our bodies and our nervous system experiences trauma. I did not want to re-traumatize myself or have that experience going on in my nervous system. My whole goal was like, let's release the anxiety, not continue to let my body go through it. So I was curious about it. And After I have to be honest, after I did my first session of hypnotherapy, I felt like I had walked out like Dorothy in Oz. Everything was so sparkly and new and as energized. And I just felt fresh and alive. It was really unbelievable. Um, It didn't last forever, (laughs) that sensation, but um, it lasted for a bit. I mean, I hadn't, I don't think I had experienced that level of just kind of unbridled childlike glee, um, in a long time. So it felt really refreshing and, but I didn't exactly know how it worked. It was like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? You know, what is, this is, this is weird. Um, and the more we got into it, because I did several sessions, I still had the sense of like, I'm not really sure how this is working, but it feels incredible. And I'm really releasing a lot of things and limiting beliefs. And I would notice little things like, all of a sudden craving a carrot. And I was thinking like, that's odd. I never eat carrots. And I asked um, my hypnotherapist and she said, yeah, I planned that I gave you a suggestion for some healthy foods. If you felt like, you know, you wanted to bite your nails, you would just chew on some healthy foods like carrots. It's like, oh, that's, that explains it. Um, wow. So I can't, that's a very practical example, but there were other more profound things that were happening within me and quickly too. And because of the work I was doing in hypnotherapy, all the other stuff was happening faster too. So any other changes I was making in my life, it took better because I was cleaning the slate, setting the table for all these things to soak in on a brain that was, again, just establishing that rapport, that bridge between your awareness brain, which is usually chattering and it's your ego and it wants to tell you all these things and be super helpful. But 90% of our lives are driven by our unconscious mind. And that's what the hypnotherapy does, right? It, it, it heals you on that lower level. Yes. And now I, I personally stop short of saying it heals you because Mm -hmm. I believe we all are constantly healing and it's a process of life and um, it's a process of healing. So what I personally believe is that with the client, it's you do the work and the hypnotherapy allows you to have a new relationship with yourself on the unconscious level. And 90% of what we're taking in, everything around us is we're like giant receivers in our brain, taking in so much 
information right now that we, we could never process at all. Um, the only thing we can process is that tiny, tiny fraction that we can translate into like words and language. So it's so small in everything, the temperature, where you are, if you're at home, if you're at work, if you're hot, if you're cold, if you're happy, if you're sad, all the life experiences, everything is informing this moment. And when you can get underneath the part of your brain that wants to be skeptical, that wants to talk about it, that wants to chatter away and have objections and have an opinion and go right to that unconscious mind and identify new beliefs. It's like planting seeds and then they just begin to blossom. So it's really, really effective for things like stopping smoking, achieving an optimal weight, dietary changes that people are trying to make visualization like that, that works directly with your subconscious mind is highly effective for anyone who's doing training or um, competitive sports or doing any goal oriented, visualizing it again, because as I said, I didn't want to re-traumatize my body because our nervous system doesn't know the difference when we experience something. Same thing goes positively. If we visualize it in great detail, we are setting the stage. It can be just as effective as practice. And it, it sets your nervous system up to achieve that. And the example that we use is um, the example of a lemon. And maybe you've heard this before, but you can close your eyes and really visualize a lemon and maybe picking it off of a, a lemon tree and squeezing it and the texture of the, the peel and how smooth it feels, but bumpy and the yellow, the bright yellow color and smelling it and kind of squeezing it and then cutting it on a cutting board and how that feels as the juice kind of drips out and then lifting it up to your nose and smelling that sweet lemony citrus scent and then maybe a little spray hitting your face and squeezing it into your mouth as we do an exercise like that you will probably salivate maybe even smell the citrus smell. You Definitely. Can... I taste the tang in my mouth. <laughs> exactly. So that's, it's an example. And there's a, a bunch of other examples of how biochemically our bodies really do respond. So it's just one kind of small example of the power of really getting into your subconscious mind, your unconscious mind, and all the things that, that live there. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The session that I've done, we tapped into some limiting belief stuff which was really incredible. We went back and looked at some different memories of things that had happened. Mm -hmm. And it was just really, I, you know, one of the things that I was afraid of is, you know, you see it on TV, you see it in a movie where you're like out of control or you're not present in your body and you're going to be sent walking into walls and doing all kinds of crazy things. And you are in it, but you're not in it. My experience was you're not in it so much that you are not aware of what's happening. Correct. Correct. Our, our brains will not and cannot, your brain will not do anything unsafe for you, no matter what any, anyone says. So no matter what hypnotists say, you're not going to bark like a dog unless you want to. You're not going to go do a head scan in the corner of the room unless you want to, and it feels safe for you. And similarly, you're not going to unearth, you know, any memories or things in your past to, to deal with if you aren't ready, right? or if it could be too painful for you, or if you don't trust 
the clinician you're working with or you know a whole host of things it really is a relationship you're building with yourself and the hypnotherapist is really creating the container the space to guide you as sort of your tour guide or the lead on the journey and you're doing that work facilitating a new relationship with yourself I think were you doing timeline therapy oof I don't yeah because we went to like three or four different memories yeah time stamps yeah that I have not, I have done that therapy and I have done the past life regressions and Akashic record. I've done all that therapy, but I have not taken that training to really dive into the nuts and bolts of what is happening and how that works. So I, I don't know all of it, but it's pretty wild. It's, yeah. it's really great. It's incredible. I, what, what had come up was, you know, this idea of me holding myself back playing small, not wanting to be seen because there was this belief that I had taken on at multiple points. And then it was reinforced that being different was not good, that Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want, and I had felt different growing up. You know, maybe I look different. Maybe I think different. Maybe my family's different. And that wasn't a positive. That was something in my mind that made me feel alone and separate and misunderstood And, you know, here I am all these years later, still fighting to break free of external validation or conditioning Mm -hmm. that tells me what's supposed to look like this, or like, you know, I don't want this kind of attention on me. And so, yeah, it was a really cool session, just sort of like understanding, yeah, this was a point where I was markedly different and it didn't feel good. And, you know, then you build the story. It's all about the stories we tell ourselves and the power in creating a new story that that feels more authentic, that we really maybe have have wanted to bring to light, but we don't don't really know how. And just, you know, starting to establish that relationship with yourself. That's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah it was really, it was incredible. So let's talk a little bit about your business because I've noticed, and I think this is so inspirational and so exciting to share with people, that it sounds like part of your transition from a practicer to a practitioner was the fact that you practiced, right? You tried different things and these things lit you up in a way that made you want to dig deeper, do the training. So if you could talk a little bit about how you knew that it was this, you know, yoga style, how you knew that it was hypnotherapy that you wanted to take from being somebody that received it as a therapy to somebody that now can help others. Yeah, it's a very interesting turning point because for all of these years, I was quite content to just be the student and soak up as much as I could. I think the turning point for me was really the health situation I was in. I was diagnosed with a couple of autoimmune illnesses and my yoga practice went from being in Panama doing yoga twice a day in the jungle to now I'm in this physical pain. My muscles and my joints are, are responding and all of a sudden I can't do what I used to do physically. And that as a yogi is frustrating a lot of the time when you have to take 10 steps back and figure out how do I, how do I balance my body now? And when I would start to slowly talk to some friends and colleagues about what I was going through with the autoimmune stuff, more and more women were telling me, oh, that's interesting. I think I I feel the same way. I'm always tired. I'm in XYZ pain, or I have these massive 
ocular migraines or I have this, you know, every woman I spoke to, it seemed like eight out of 10 of them were describing these just situations where at a minimum, it was this epidemic of exhaustion. And for most of them, it was real physical manifestations of emotional and physical anxiety and exhaustion. And so I'm, while I'm simultaneously learning all of these things and so excited, I'm having all of these questions like, well, I could never actually teach this to somebody else. So how do I share this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a jerk? <laughs> and also what will people think? I'm a meteorologist. I'm a mom. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gone to an ashram in India for a month and like traveled for eat, pray, love, you know, for a year. Right. How will I have any authority? How will people view me? I went through all of that too. And I think it was really during the pandemic that coincided with me graduating yoga teacher training. And that would, I, I had to take like the year and a half, two year version of that because of my job. So, right. yeah. um, <laughs> but I am such a nerd. I viewed that as like the opportunity to read even more and dive even deeper. So I just viewed it as the extended version, but graduating from that, it became clear. I was not going to be the person 42 year old mom divorced with autoimmune illnesses. I wasn't going to be the person that like women wanted to go take hot yoga from. <laughs> I was going to have something else to offer. And I also personally no longer liked that style of yoga. I was doing something much more restorative and slow and using every block and bolster and blanket around. And while my friends would all be practicing these sequences, I would have my legs up the wall or I would be in child's pose or <laughs> laying down or meditating. And I really was gravitating because I was practicing it and I was seeing the connection. And it, I didn't know this at the time, but I was really gravitating toward that. And if people would say, wow, you you're really doing a good job with this meditation. And other people would say they were uncomfortable, but I never, never said, okay, I'm going to teach this. Even when I did my yoga nidra teacher training, it was yeah. to do, get more information about it because I loved it. And I wanted to be, yeah, able to I remember it. one of our early conversations that you, I don't even think you were finished. And I was like, well, are you going to have teach me this? And you're like, no, I just um, was like, no, I didn't. I never saw myself as having I don't, the permission, I think, to offer this to anybody else. But then with the pandemic, it really felt like I got the memo spiritually that I have something to offer my entire life in dealing with all the anxiety and the challenges I went through. I learned how to sleep. I loved sleep. Sleep was my superpower. And I realized I have something I can offer people. This really is my superpower. Rest really is what people need now. No one actually knows how to rest. And instead of being shamed about resting and sleeping, look at all the mindset shifting we could be doing, especially for moms, especially for moms right now who are overworked and stressed and exhausted to really create a community where it's okay to rest instead of a culture where people brag about, oh, I just worked a 70 hour week and I haven't slept in 24 hours. Oh my gosh. Right. You know, like I can do everything on four hours of sleep. And you're like, um, I really can be okay with seven. I like eight, nine's even better. <laughs> well, not, and not only that, but 
I'm sure you've experienced seeing a friend and you say, how are you? And the first thing you say is, oh, I'm so exhausted. Oh yeah. You wear it like a badge. Right. Yeah. And, and it, that's like a physical state. It's not how mm -hmm. you are. And right. so rest from everything we've learned now, rest sets the stage for everything else, for any growth, for any spiritual healing, any physical healing, everything we want to accomplish. Rest is really that first order of operations. And yet none of us know how to do it. For, especially for moms, especially when we need permission, especially when we can't just throw ourselves on the couch and say rest. We have to take our nervous system from level 10 and, and know how to downshift it or else, I don't know about you, but I've had many times where I'll sit there and be anxious about resting. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> so, I have the time now, but I'm not in the right headspace to do it. Absolutely. Or and then you get the mom guilt and you right. get the shame and you get the, I should be doing this. So having a guide, a Sherpa, a sleep coach, a sleep doula, we have all kinds of names out there for women who've gone through, it's mostly women, yoga ninja teacher training to really sort of mentor people. I can give people a lot of advice and coach them to sleep now and to troubleshoot specific insomnia, or we can also incorporate rest moments throughout your life, change your mindset and really kind of overhaul the level of stress that you have. So I love so much that you said that when you were being your authentic self, when you were noticing that these high power fast sequences were not benefiting you, you had the awareness, the wherewithal, the courage to do something that felt true to you. And that by following that guidance for yourself, what you really did was embody that and enable mm -hmm. other people to, you know, feel that for themselves to recognize that, yes, this was an issue that they were having and empower them to be able to raise their hand and say, yeah, I need help with this as well. And that all stemmed from you just being true to who you are. Yeah. Um, I, again, I wish that it happened that elegantly <laughs> <laughs> because it did feel a lot more like I don't fit in with all these younger people and yoga teacher training. Why am I here? What am I doing? I don't want to do this. This feels painful. The teacher's not going to pass me. Um, everyone's going to think I'm weird. No one wants to rest. No one wants to sleep. I've had coaches tell me, uh, some coaches have said, oh my gosh, this is the most valuable thing. Everyone's going to want to work with you. And then I've had coaches say, this is a really terrible idea. No one's going to want to sleep. I kind of always have lived my life in a space of when I get into what's authentic for me, I, I feel it. It's yeah. a felt sensation in my body. And so that guides me, even when it is getting a lot of external input that it's maybe not, doesn't make a lot of sense. I've always had to live in that aligned felt experience. Well, it has to feel good to us. And I think that some, yeah. so often that's the missing piece. So many of us, I think, feel called to service. We want to be valuable. We want to be helpful. We want to, you know, serve other people. And yet with that disconnection from what truly feels good to us, it is going to be even more challenging to show up for somebody else. I was meditating yesterday and just sort of getting this download. Like I honor you by honoring me mm -hmm. and everything that I can do to honor myself and my truth allows me to show up 
in the most authentic, transparent way so that I can be all the things that I want to be, but it doesn't happen without standing up for myself and what I feel first. Absolutely. And a big, a big part of that for me was I had a friend um, who I hadn't seen in like since college. And they said to me, you know, something's different. You don't, you know, something's wrong. And this was years ago and you don't seem like yourself. And, and I was like offended. Oh, what do you mean? Mm. Of course I'm myself. And then they said, you know, what do you like to do for free time? And I thought about all the things that I took my kids to, that <laughs> then I did yoga and, and they're like, no, do you have a hobby? Do you enjoy you know, music? Do you enjoy cooking? Do you enjoy, what do you enjoy? And I couldn't think of anything other than yoga. And um, they said, your, your children deserve to know who you are. Mm. And it really hit me in a way that like, yes, my, my children deserve to have a caring mother and you know, all the things a mother is, but they also deserve to get to know me. And I did begin to pursue other stuff that I hadn't done in a while, like music and a little bit of art dabbling and just try to make space for things that just felt good because we are allowed to do. So mm-hmm. even though I might be like kind of niche in if someone's looking for assistance with de-stressing and incorporating. I mean, people love that to hear that about as much as they want to be offered kale is my <laughs> kind of sense. Like they will seek out like, no, how do I lose weight? How do I exercise? How do I do, 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 do? They're not as much seeking out assistance with rest and sleep and healing until a crisis happens. Right. But for right now, I mean, this is the space that's authentic for me. I've, if someone needs to sleep, I can do that and run circles around it, which is where the yoga nidra and the hypnotherapy really just combined and and tied into such a neat bundle. When those three things began to converge, it was like, whoa, (laughs) I love it. This makes sense. Yeah. Um, When they really converged and I really understood that I could really help people in that sort of, however I worked with them, we were going to rest. Well, and I think that's so inspiring too, for everybody listening, because I think so much of our society is like this compartmentalized view of things. It's like, there's work and there's family and there's home and there's friends. And in some regards, we end up showing up differently in different spaces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think not only does it do a disservice to you and your family sense, because maybe you have amazing qualities in a workspace that you're not, you're not bringing home, but also in the reverse that, you know, you show up in a work environment and maybe it's not as fun. Maybe it's not as playful. Maybe it's not as silly or all the things that maybe you value in a home situation. And I think there's this increasing opportunity, especially during this pandemic, while we've all been home so much to sort of like show up who you are and all the spaces. And I really love, it's so funny and so synchronous that my theme for the month based on my little monthly card pulls is creativity. That's the magic that I'm supposed to be talking about and sharing about my social and my email. And I love that one of the things that you said was in finding that creative moments in what do I love? What is my hobby? What is my passion? That that is always a chance for that to fill you. And you never know where it's going to lead. Maybe it's something that you love and you do, and it feels good and it never turns into work. 
maybe it turns into this incredible entrepreneurial opportunity, but you don't have the chance if you don't give it a chance to show up in your life, whether it be art or music or cooking or writing or movement or anything. I think that we put creativity as like, maybe it's for a specific mm -hmm. time in our life, or maybe it's frivolous or it's not valuable. And it's like, oh my gosh, what comes from having space for creativity mm -hmm. in your life? Yeah. And you, you put it that that was really well put. It is so synchronous because as I have healed more and more and been resting more, more of my creative flow, um, comes forth. And as more of my creativity is allowed mm. to be expressed, I heal more. And I think that that's been really part of my journey, so to speak, uh, during the pandemic was uh, allowing myself to be more of the divine feminine and embracing that side of myself. But also the whole human thing was huge because as a working mom, I realized how severed I felt trying to be all things and failing constantly and traveling and mom guilt and missing my kids. And right before the pandemic, I said, if I could only stop traveling so I could be here for my kids. <laughs> and yeah. I got my wish. Thanks um, a lot. <laughs> exactly. Look how um, powerful got, you are. <laughs> I got that wish. But one of the things that I really tell people is, I think, and I think this applies to creativity as much as rest is that it's not all or nothing. It's not right. sleep nine hours a night or I'm exhausted. Finding the ways, even for women, guiding ourselves back to that voice that asks you, what do you want to eat tonight for dinner? And you say, oh, I don't care, whatever you want. Instead of doing that, what would you actually like? What would you actually enjoy? Yeah. Even if it's just you know what sounds really great? Those fries we had the other night with the rosemary and the parmesan, you know, so what would actually like really be delightful to you? And those small moments, even if it's, you don't get to finish an entire oil painting, but you just draw a small little sketch and give it to your friend or your kid or your neighbor or whatever, finding those little moments and the same goes for rest. And how do you want to feel? And for me, a big one is that moment in the morning when I have my first cup of coffee, if I feel aligned and replenished and able to sit in meditation without falling asleep and mm -hmm. those types of things. And it doesn't require what we think it requires, but how we want to, what does creativity mean to you? It might mean interior decorating, or it might mean music, or it could be anything, but it doesn't have to be expressed in these like huge chunks. It can right. be broken down into micro moments throughout your day and you start to weave this in and pretty soon you've got an entire day that sort of builds around expressing what you want and what fills you up and then you're filled up and you have more to give others. So that's so critical with rest is setting the table all day so that your nervous system is nice and nurtured and, and even keeled before you go to bed at night and then ask your nervous system to go from 10 to zero. That's going to be hard. That's so beautiful. I feel like so much of what we share is just helping people find more of life in the life they're living. Definitely. And I've been through so much in my own life that I've seen the value in going through it, the struggle and having an objective person help identify areas you might 
help shine a light on certain areas so that you can maybe navigate and take a shorter route through the valley or something. Yeah. Um, but same. just to have someone that you know is there with you and the, it's so, it's so helpful and you can see things just a totally, you know, different way from the outside. And especially, you know, it's funny because we're having a discussion in my meteorology group about imposter syndrome and how um, people have stopped using the term in this circle. But I see in the different groups I belong to, I see them all having the same discussions about things like imposter syndrome yeah. and who is you know, qualified to teach and who in allowing ourselves and giving ourselves that permission that you don't need like the okay from someone else to, to do something. And I think as women, we kind of, not, not just women, but there are a lot of us who feel like we would really like to have that certificate or that, you know, validation that yes, you're qualified. And, um, I got to a point where it was like, no, I get to decide and I have the tools and I use them and practice them. And it's time that I use them for myself too, and take my own medicine. And when yeah. I started to do that, I think I got more comfortable sharing with others. Yeah. Well, I love what you share and I know we're wrapping up, but I did want to ask you to give everybody your social and your business and all that good contact information and especially your Instagram posts. I'm like obsessed. You just break out with the reels and the videos and all this stuff. How did you overcome? How did you feel comfortable? Because I know so many people want to share they want to be creative they want to do that but it's like a big intimidation factor so what did you do to break through because your posts are phenomenal thank you um you know it's funny again looking at both sides i often worry that they are too silly or too you know this or that and people aren't going to like them and you know it's just funny how there's everyone has this sort of two sides however i i've done a lot of public speaking in my day job so i'm very comfortable kind of with an external focus, um, mm -hmm. was not comfortable under a camera. I've been on TV several times and it's it was horribly uncomfortable. You put a camera on me and I would froze. So I made it kind of a goal and I worked yeah. with someone in a challenge to do some camera stuff. And I felt so uncomfortable and awkward. And as I committed to this, and I know you did something similar, yep. I really had some profound realizations. But with reels specifically, I just gave myself permission at some point to do them terribly. Like I'm going to just create something and allow it to be completely awful and cringy. My kids tell me how cringy I am. Um, they hate everything I do. They <laughs> They're not the target market. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. So occasionally they will help me. They do. They offer to edit. Um, but you, I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. So you start extremely cringy. And that's how you learn and you keep playing. And I personally do them now because they're fun. For yeah. Me. I was going to say that is the number one feeling I get from when I watch them is that you're having fun doing it. It is a creative outlet for you. You get to play. There's a new yes. filter. There's a new font. There's a new, you know, whatever's happening. Yeah. Um, and I just find it inspiring. And I easy to get, it's easy to get wrapped up with so much advice of how to do this for this, how to do this and attract these people. And this is what you have to do for the algorithm. And it, and it just got to a point where I said, I'm going to do this because it's what I want to share and I'm having fun doing it. And there's not a lot of 
payoff in it for me right now to try to do anything else. With yeah. But that's the whole beauty. I've been sitting in this so much that the beauty in the doing, it's like, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You have to let go of this. We have such a pressure on this expectation of what we're going to get from it. And I have been grounding so much recently and I have to love the doing it has mm -hmm. to be in the doing because that's the only thing that I can control is how I feel in the action, how the journey feels to me and let go of what that second external piece is going to be the outcome. Yeah. Um, that's, that's great. This has been so fun. You are um, such a delight. I love hearing all about your journey and you have such a passion for this, which I'm sure everybody else is hearing as well. So tell everybody how to find you and connect with you. Yes. I post pretty regularly on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at cultivate.rest. And I do have a website, cultivaterest.com. Um, starting to put more blogs and YouTube videos up and things Ooh. like that so that I can, I have a free hypnosis for anxiety that helps with energy. Another free hypnosis that's coming out, particularly for confidence, um, for women in confidence. And then there's oh, a couple of meditations that. in a yoga nidra. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to put out you know, as much as I can and more stuff. Cause I know right now, the more we can share around that, the better I think for everyone. And then there's a couple of yoga nidras and then there's information about how to contact me. If people are interested in learning more about hypnotherapy or yoga nidra classes. I love that you're talking about confidence. I host with a fellow, a friend coach of mine, Vicki, uh, Facebook group that we do a live in another practice and just being yes. uncomfortable. So we go live every Monday and the group is called defined alchemy. And our theme for this month is confidence. So maybe we can That's have you great. in there and maybe we can um, link to the meditation. So yeah, I just did a live where I did a takeover of a partner account that I work with. And that was really fun. And again, it's just really, it's a stretching yourself to yeah. do that. And we're going to do another event. So stretch yourself. That's the, yes. that's such a good message for everybody. Just try, yes. just play, just have fun. It's, yep. it's okay. It's all going to yeah. be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, my dear. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to the open to alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy, that's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.